So I was, uh, did anybody have any April Fools played on them or play an April Fool this morning? Anybody at all? Jim, what about yourself? We saw the Easter Bunny, but we didn't. You didn't? Easter Bunny was spotted out in the garden somewhere, but it was a phantom. Hope he left, if he was, I hope he left eggs. Do you have something? No, you turn it on. Okay. That's grand. Is that one? There's no sign on that one, is there? There is now. Brilliant. Anyone else? Nipple Fools played, or? It's all been quiet. It's all been very quiet. Shane, brilliant. What about yourself? Upon wishing my elder brother Gavin a very happy Easter, he said, no, it won't be because my cat and my dog have been kidnapped. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I offered to go and help him. It was an evening. A good Samaritan. Well done. Brilliant. So uh, there's a picture up on the screen here, and uh, it's not an April Fool, but this morning we're going to talk about feet. And um, has anybody seen the film Happy Feet? And, okay, quick, quick couple of questions. Uh, what is the name of the penguin? Anyone remember? Any boys and girls remember the name of the penguin? Is it? Mumble is the name of the penguin. Why is he called Mumble? Because he can't sing. But Mumble can do something that the other penguins can't do. What can he do? He can dance, exactly. And uh, his dancing feet take him on an epic journey by which he eventually saves the day for the whole penguin community. And uh, although I discovered that the word community isn't quite the right word for a group of penguins, do you happen to know, this is for the adults too, this one, do you happen to know what you call a group of penguins in the water? This isn't a joke, by the way. This is actually a fact. A raft. Do you know what a group of penguins is called on land? A waddle. There you go. Two... two Two bits of fact about so happy feet. This morning we're talking about happy feet. There's a wonderful verse in Isaiah 52, verse 7, that says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who declare peace, who bring good tidings, who declare salvation, who say to Zion, Your God reigns. Now, the thing about feet is, I don't know about yours but mine aren't necessarily ones that I sort of, I bear very often. Uh, feet generally aren't seen as something that are the most attractive part of the body. And in fact, at the time of Isaiah, who wrote those words, the prophet, everyone knew that the feet of messengers were uglier than most. Messengers were the couriers of the day. They were the only way to get messages from one place to another. And a lot of messengers went on foot over mountains, through rivers, across bumpy and stony roads. The, the feet of messengers were tough feet. They were calloused. They were cut. They were bruised. They were hard, but they were effective. So whenever Isaiah is saying, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. He's basically saying, even though we know messengers' feet are ugly and dirty, when you get a message which is good news, boy, they are beautiful feet to you. Even though they're bleeding, even though they're damaged, to you they are beautiful feet because they bring good news. So just as 
Mumble, nearly forgot his name, just as Mumble went on this epic journey. Our reading this morning was about a journey of two people from a place called Jerusalem to Emmaus. Now, these are people who had been following Jesus Christ, and they were moving in the wrong direction. Their feet were taken in the wrong way. They were heading away from the place where everything really was going to happen. They were traveling this dirty, bumpy road seven miles out. And amazingly, even though they were walking in the wrong direction, talking about what had happened over the Passover season, someone who was a stranger to them, they weren't able to recognize them, came and walked along. And when you walk along, you tend to fall into step with the person that you're walking with. Well, I could just imagine that as they were walking along, this man came alongside and just fell into step with them as they were walking along. But the amazing thing is, they were going in the wrong direction, and Jesus was walking with them. And Jesus fell into step with them as they moved away from Jerusalem. The other thing that amazes me too, and really struck me on this April Fool's Day, is the fact that as they walk along, Jesus allows them to think that he is an utter fool. So they're walking along, and Jesus says to them, so what are you talking about? Well, that's the Northern Irish version. And they say, where have you been the last? Where have you been? Again, it's the Northern Irish version. Where have you been these last few days? Do you not know what's been happening, all these things that have happened? Are you not, are you, where, have you been under a rock? They basically are saying to Jesus in not so many words, you're a fool. How could you have missed what has actually happened? And the thing that amazes me, Jesus doesn't at that moment, which I'd have been tempted to do, say, hold on a second. Surprise. Do you not know who I am? But Jesus actually just humbly walks along the road and says, what things? And the reason he does that, I believe, is because he just wants to engage with them because they're despondent and disappointed, and they're filled with sorrow. And Jesus enters into that place with them as, as they walk along the road in the wrong direction. And so, He listens to their pain, and He listens to their disappointment, and it's only after all of that, with their feet traveling in the wrong direction, that Jesus eventually says, how foolish you are to not understand the hope that we have to not understand the Messiah had to come to suffer first and then to enter into His glory. He tells them how foolish they are because at that point, He wants to share with them the glory of God. During the week, we heard it was a wonderful Holy Week series this week with the six churches gathered together and uh, a wonderful reminder about the person and work of Jesus. And one of the things that Bishop Fanta talked about was the servant king, Jesus the servant king. It's that wonderful Graham Kendrick song. From heaven you came, helpless babe, entered our world, your glory veiled, not to be served, but to serve, to give your life as an offering. It was a reminder of Jesus being a servant. And here is Jesus who has come from heaven to earth and is still now risen from the dead, walking along the bumpy, dirty road in order to reach people, in order to connect with people, 
in order that they eventually will turn their feet round and head in the right direction back to Jerusalem. But he does it in such a patient and such a loving way. They come to Emmaus, and the guys with him say, come on in and eat with us. And so he goes in, and it's only after he has explained where the whole story of God's salvation is going to, it's only after he has broken the bread, having given thanks, and give it to them that they recognize who Jesus is. Their eyes are opened. And I wonder if in that moment they notice for the first time his hands. I wonder if one of the points of revelation, perhaps the moment where it finally clicked, was either for the first time they saw or they noticed the fact that the one who was handing the bread had nail marks in his hands. They obviously hadn't noticed walking along the road that this stranger with them had damaged, dirty, and broken feet. He had nail marks in his feet, and they hadn't seen it. You see, Jesus Christ is the one, ultimately, who has come to Zion, who has come to earth, and He has said, we have a great God, and God rules. Our God reigns. The kingdom of God is here and now. God is alive and well, and His rule and reign is unfolding, even in the midst of the mess that we see around us. But they only saw it at that moment, and then He disappeared from their sight. At that moment, they got back on their feet, and they walked another seven miles. And I imagine by the time they got back to Jerusalem, probably at night time, to see the other disciples. They were going back to Zion. They were fulfilling the word of the prophet Isaiah again. Here were people with dirty, broken, sore feet arriving in Jerusalem, arriving in Zion. And what's the message they have? Your God reigns. Our God rules. We do hear this. Our God is in charge. That's the message they had. And they were met with the disciples saying exactly the same message. Our God rules. Our God reigns. Jesus Christ is alive. That this place is the place of victory, not the place of defeat. That's what made them feel so dejected on the road to Emmaus. They thought that Jesus had come to bring about a second exodus to lead the people out from under tyranny. This time the Romans, the first time it was the Egyptians. But they couldn't understand how then he had died at the hands of the Romans. But Jesus Christ came to overcome a much greater enemy than the Roman Empire. He came to overcome Satan himself. Sin, hell, death, darkness. I, I imagine as Jesus told the story of what all the things God had been doing, he may have started right back at Genesis it's a wonderful verse in Genesis 1:26, which talks about God saying to human beings, you're here to rule over the birds of the air, the animals of the land, the fish of the sea, you're in charge. And our calling was always to have dominion, to rule and reign as delegated authority on earth, to, with compassion and wisdom, with the help of God, to rule on earth. We have this glorious regal destiny but our feet walked out of Eden. The reality was we shirked the responsibility, and we all walked out of Eden.
But here's the amazing thing the Bible tells us. God followed us out of Eden. He came from heaven to earth, and on that robe with those two men or two people, He did what He does among all of us, because all of us find ourselves at some point in life walking on the wrong road in the wrong direction. Our feet are pointing the wrong way. And here's the amazing thing. He doesn't come up to us and go, boom! He doesn't come and crush us or condemn us. Amazingly, what He does is He comes and He walks beside us and keeps in step with us, even though we're walking in the wrong direction. And because we're doing that, we become filled with sorrow and disappointment and dejection because we don't understand where God is or what God is doing until we recognize the good news and the beauty of the feet of Jesus Christ. And we recognize that the damaged feet of Jesus are the most beautiful feet of all time. It's in that moment we realize that our God reigns. There was a man who was dead, crucified on the cross, and he is alive today. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven in that place of love praying for us, and he has holes in his hands, and he has holes in his feet. If you find yourself in that place where you're thinking, where is God in my life? Know the fact that He is walking with you even as you walk in the wrong direction. And He longs and is waiting for the moment when you will engage in conversation. Here's the amazing thing. He allows for you and I to think of Him as an utter fool. On the cross, people walked by the cross. People going to get their groceries or whatever they're planning to do walked past the cross on the day of the crucifixion, and they looked up and they hurled insults at him. The religious leaders mocked him. If you're the king of the Jews, if you're the Messiah, come down from the cross. You saved others. Can't you save yourself? Jesus allowed himself to be seen as an utter fool for your sake and for mine. And the thing is, he calls us on a journey, a long obedience in the, in, in the same direction as Eugene, Peter says, Eugene Peterson says, where we follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ with our feet in His direction. In this place, as Fanta was saying, it's a place of suffering and glory, but all of us are heading towards the place of glory. And so, Revelation 22, verse 5, which is a wonderful conclusion to what we had on Friday night, our, our service where we're plunged in the darkness. And it says that in Zion, the holy city in heaven itself, there will be no more night because the light of God will be in the presence of His people. And we, the redeemed of God, will finally fully rule with Him. The cross is about restoring Eden. It's about you and I being restored to fullness of the greatness of mankind. It's about a restored dignity. It's about us ruling and reigning even now with Christ. This is the amazing thing. And that will be brought to its fulfillment when Christ returns when we are with Him, 
when I stand in glory, I will see His face, and there I'll praise my Lord forever in that holy place. That other wonderful hymn, Praise my soul, the King of heaven, to His feet thy tribute bring, ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven, who like me His praise should sing. One day everybody will see up close and personal the feet of Jesus Christ, the ultimate messenger. Beautiful feet, damaged feet, and every single human being will bow before Him. What we do today as followers of Jesus Christ is we recognize that the wise thing to do is to turn around and walk with Him, and to walk with Him towards glory. But here's the thing. If you do that, people will sometimes think that you are an utter fool. If you want to follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ, you have to accept the cost that people will think that you are an utter fool. But Jesus doesn't cost to do anything that He Himself didn't do. And we'll be in good company, not only with Jesus, but in the story of people like Paul, who in the court of the Roman Emperor Festus, Festus shouted out, Paul, you are insane. You are mad. As we heard this week, mad may have a different meaning for us in the context of the Christian family, people who make a difference for God. I don't know if you know the story of uh, John Wimber, who is in glory. I have it in a Bible somewhere. There it is. And uh, he tells of the time, a moment, he's in a room full of people when he finally came to faith in Jesus Christ. His wife has just in the room committed her life to Christ. And as he said, he starts sweating bullets because he senses that God is calling him to and he kneels down and he prays, and he says, I knew something revolutionary was going on inside me. I thought, I hope this works, because I'm making a complete fool of myself. Then the Lord brought to mind a man I had seen in Pershing Square in Los Angeles a number of years before. He was wearing a sign that said, I'm a fool for Christ. Whose fool are you? I thought at the time, that is the most stupid thing I have ever seen. But as I kneeled on the floor, I realized the truth of the odd sign. The cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. That night, I knelt at the cross and believed in Jesus. I've been a fool for Christ ever since. That missionary, Jackie Pullinger, missionary to Hong Kong for many years, often says that we as Christians often have hard hearts and soft feet. We have hearts that haven't been softened fully by the love of God, and we have feet that aren't willing to walk the hard, dirty road with God into the places of pain. And Jackie says, what we should have is soft hearts and hard feet. My hope and prayer for myself and for all of us 
is that as we see the beautiful feet of Jesus, as we receive the good news afresh, as we turn round our feet and go in the right direction with Him, knowing that He's with us always until the job is done, that increasingly as we do so and walk in the presence of God Himself, that our hearts will become increasingly soft and our feet will become increasingly hard. Let us pray.